It is Saturday, November 17th, and this is another episode of Pop Culture Over Pizza. Hi, I'm Walt, and today I am not the host because we're bringing back Jose. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's good to be back, and we are welcoming back our good friend, Hafa. Hey, yo. How's it going? What's going on, my buddy, Metatron? Greetings, everyone. And young Elias. What's Gucci, fam? How's it going, guys? All right. And okay, let's continue. Has no one had an exciting week this week besides this stuff? I guess this is all we live for. Um, we all need right. Some more pizza. We need some more slices. Some more pizza, and maybe some more donuts somewhere later during the break. There you go. Um, so you know, what? let's just lead right into it. Um, get right to the point. <laughs> what has everyone been geeking out about over the last? week. Elias, I think you had something that you wanted to lead us in with that looks like the three of you have been geeking out about it around, uh, for the last week, right? Yeah. So me, Walt, and Metatron have, have seen the new Netflix original called Hill House. The Haunting of Hill House. Mm, okay. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. Based on the 1959 Shirley Jackson novel, right? Yep. Well, loosely based because I know you've been reading it. Oh, okay. And yeah. it's very different from the show, right? Yeah. So... But what? some characters are the same, but not, like, their background, mm-hmm. but mostly, like, their names, I guess. So, okay. wait, what would you what would you kind of say, without spoiling it too much, I guess, is the bigger, what are the bigger differences you've seen so far in the between the book and the show? Can you maybe pick one that, that you think is kind of big? I maybe don't, a character? Or do you want to spoil it? I don't know. I kind of don't want to spoil it, so, okay. but... Um, Dr. John Montague, and okay. he's a huge, another character, like, he's not part of the show whatsoever, and, oh, okay. yeah. Is it, is this like a miniseries type show, or is it a show that's going to continue? Yes, yeah, so, yeah. from my understanding, it's a, a 10 episode series, um, and it revolves around a family, mm. um, that, so the, the basic premise of the show is that this is a, this is a family that they go around flipping houses and so the next house that they flip is the famous hill house oh okay okay so within the town they already know that it's kind of haunted they walk in kind of blind and then you know you have a whole bunch of things going on there's there's a lot of family issues (laughs) with this family and so this is a 10 episode series Mm. i heard that there's a second season that's being greenlit um, but it seems like it's going to go much like the american horror story Mm -hmm. Where it's an anthology, not a continuation of the story. Okay, yeah, yeah. From, so. from what I understand, American Horror Story, they tied that together. I, I stopped watching that show a couple of seasons ago, to be honest with you. I think after the Freak Show season with the You know, I think the that's, the last one, that's the last one I saw. Circus also. Freaks with, um, with uh, Kathy Bates with the really bad Baltimore accent. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so this show, I mean, yeah, this show does sound kind of interesting. I mean, do, what's your take on it, Meta? Like, what do you think about it so far? Phenomenal writing. The way they use, like, one of the things that I liked that I know me and Walt kind of geeked out on was the continuous, it's not called the continuous shot. What do you call that again? Episode six was basically a self-contained one take. Yes, one take. One take. take. You had, you had. like I went to film school or anything. Yeah. (laughs) The first, the first. I want to say the first 15 minutes of the show mm. is an entire one take. And the way that they, they move the camera 
within the shots and, and set up the scene is fantastic. And then right after that one take, you go into another one take <laughs> at a different location and in the past. Mm, so, okay. Do you guys, mm-hmm. you guys have any idea if it was actually a one take? I'm always curious about that. Like my, if they actually do it in one take. My but the Daredevil one in the last season was, and that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, that was like an 11-minute one take. four, yeah. In the prison. And that was yeah. really a one take, which is why I kind yeah. of brought it up. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, we, we could figure that out later if it was actually a one take or not. So, okay, so and hmm, that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, and honestly, just the way they played with time. Because mm-hmm. you, you expect, uh, whenever you go into, like, watching a show or reading a book even, you're generally used to a linear chronological structure. Yeah. All right? Mm-hmm. But what I like with this show is that, sure, you some you have somewhat of a linear chronological structure, but mm-hmm. it takes time to pull you out of the moment and go back to the past to further embellish what is going on in the present. And I that is just uh, that was a really cool part of the show. I, yeah. I really love that. It sounds like a cool touch. Yeah, like in you in usually in shows, it's like boom, you're back in the past. Boom, you're back in the present. But in this show, it's like you move to a different room, and then out of nowhere, you see like oh, younger versions, and it's, it's like, subtle. Okay, like no, it's know. not always subtle, no. but no, it can be. Like, yeah, it subtle. can. Be. Like what he's saying, the transitions are subtle. Yeah, um, like it might be a clever camera shot that maybe rotates yeah. into a room, maybe on one take or something like that. I'm just spitballing here. I'm just kind of well. There, there, there is one one instance when they're in the funeral home, and the um, the 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 dad walks in mm. and he mm. sees his adult children and the camera, this is in that one take episode. Mm. And, and it is a true one take, by the way. Oh, okay. they, you they just confirmed that, I guess. Yes, they did. I, I looked it up on, on Google. Okay. Um, so that one take, it's interesting because they, they focus on him mm. and they, sh- they pan over to the family who's all in one area and it's all the adult children. And they, f- the camera then pans back to the father character and then it pans back to the children, but now they're their younger selves. Oh, okay. That must have been kind of complicated. Yeah. Right. It, it, supposedly, <laughs> the one take was very complicated because you have different um, actors coming in and out at the same time while they're off scene right. to create this. And they actually built this set so that the camera had enough space to do all these panning and and. And you know the subtle, the subtle shifts. Yeah. So it, it's a very interesting episode. I think that's what's cool about those one takes. They always have to come up with some some new and unique camera rigs, or like they have to do some clever editing, or like again, I mentioned Daredevil because in that scene, you know, it's a fight scene, and they switch out his stunt double, like in in parts where right. he's where partially he's... obscured, like on the floor, like the stunt double apparently in some scenes, like I think there's a part where he he falls behind, like um. Yeah. The, gurney, the hospital gurney, right? Yes. And then the stunt double was apparently laying right there to kind of jump up and start like kicking some butt and continue the scene. And then they switch back again, so they continue doing the one take with the stunt man in it. So like that's always kind of cool to hear about like how they set those up. Yeah. Um. That, that sounds pretty like a pretty cool show. I wasn't too intrigued about it until you guys kind of talked about it. So I'm a little more interested in it now. You should. You it. should. You should watch it. And and the thing about it is not a straight horror movie. Mm. Uh, horror show it does have elements of horror but there there are strong themes of family okay. and especially the mm-hmm. very last episode it takes you to a place where you did not even expect okay yeah. so, I, and, yeah. 
I'm being honest here. I actually did cry on the last episode. You had some tears of, of joy and yeah, it, and relief. It, it jumps yeah. into very, very strong themes of, of loss and trauma and how it, it can affect the family. So, like, you know. Um, I don't want to do spoilers, but I guess I kind of have to. But uh, what happened was the dad mm-hmm. made a deal with the mom that... Uh, so, spoiler, 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 just letting everybody know. Yeah, you might want to skip. 10 seconds ahead, you gotta ahead. go. Yeah. So I haven't seen it yet, so I'm going to pretend that I that I can't hear this, yeah. and I'll let you go, and you, you could just raise your hand when you're done with this spoiler, okay? okay? And I see some people in the background covering their ears. <laughs> um, so what Our happened magnificent was... crew members, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and Our so, fans. So the mom made a... The mom and dad made a deal so that the dad would, um, dad would keep his promise. And what happened was, uh, eventually we figured out that he had sacrificed him own self, his own self, and and why did he do it? Um, so to keep his children safe, mm-hmm. and it, it showed that he was walking into, I guess, heaven or something. With the red room. The red room. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that house is nowhere near associated. Heaven. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler. I don't think I. I spoiler curtain down. That was yeah. like, we're good. That was like bad reception on a telephone because you know certain words came through and it's like red room, like deal with the with the mom. But like I didn't hear most of it, so it kind of worked out. Watch the show. Okay. I, I would encourage you to watch the show. I def- yeah. I'll definitely check it out. Um, well, Hafa, how about you tell us what you've been geeking out about this week, man? This, what, what's what's well, cool for you? Well, it's it's been a mixed bag of two big things. Mm-hmm. Uh, firstly, as I mentioned last time, I had the luxury of making an appearance here. Um, Gundam Unicorn, I finally got the chance to begin that. Nice. And it has been a very, very interesting trek and introduction mm-hmm. to Gundam as a whole. This is one of the later, uh, later season, uh, pardon me, the later series of, I believe it's the UC timeline. Mm-hmm. And I figure, uh, how unknowledgeable I am in just the timelines in general where where in the timeline this takes place should say enough about how new I am to Gundam hmm. All right. so let me ask you this question since you're a newbie to Gundam do you feel that watching the show you're, you're missing out because you didn't watch the previous shows that came before it yes and no ironically okay. enough because there are I'm definitely I'm definitely confused at certain moments, and the show takes its time to explain what certain words mean, there's some vocabulary, uh, and just ideas in general that aren't properly explained. Mm-hmm. You do a little bit of research, and I've, like, three episodes in, I only realized that Gundam is known for having, like, genetically evolved humans for being in space. That's, like, that's apparently a common uh, okay. knowledge that's... For, for Gundam fans. For me, I'm like, whoa, episode three introduction. <laughs> How is this guy floating around out there, man? And, uh, another huge thing. Characters. Uh, char- there have been uh, multiple of the same characters appearing in different series of the UC timeline, and they change accordingly. Mm. Uh, for example, the main villain is a notorious character. Okay. Um, and I feel like I would appreciate that character potentially more if I had seen the previous iterations of him and how he's evolved. But at the same token, I 
seeing that this is the standard that Gundam holds itself up to, mm-hmm. the brilliance of how he acts and why he acts, everything seems to have reason and nuance to it, that it's, it's beautiful to be introduced in that way and to, to, a, to a good Gundam series. Cool. Okay. That sounds like a really good introduction. It sounds like it was kind of designed to be an introduction. It sounds like they had that in mind. Or maybe, because I don't know much about Gundam either. If you're like, been recently. I, I wouldn't know which, yeah. I don't know where to start. I This was what I had available, so this is what I went to, and I wasn't let down. I've, I've been dying okay. to get into Gundam, and I just haven't had the chance. But now listening to what you said, I'm definitely going to dive into Unicorn and see how that works. So this is, after, this is definitely later in the Gundam timeline. In the UC time compared to okay, compared to alternate universes, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So this is more like the original stuff. Yeah, Gundam's yeah. a little not canon, but I get what you're saying about that. timelines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so so otherwise, I have a li- little story on this. Mm. It's partly sad. Um, I've recently. I know I'm really late to the party, but I've recently had the luxury to enjoy the Spider-Man PS4 game. And the last time we got a decent Spider-Man game, in my opinion, was Web of Shadows in 2008. Now, it's the PS4 game, it blows me away. It is really the last good Spider-Man game we've had for a while. Um, I made that purchase a couple days before a man of great significance had passed, and it oh. hurt my heart yeah. to hear it so. And so I'm going to get to that. <laughs> It was, it was something, you know, playing that, playing it before, playing it after. This is that man's sort of, I don't want to say his magnum opus to many of the fans. It's that case. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if he perceived it that way, but. It's the character that he's most famous for. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's the character that brought us with great power comes great responsibility. Um, Yeah, so. So the PS4 Spider-Man, great game, right? Fantastic game. I hear one thing that's really cool about it is, especially for New Yorkers, like pretty how accurately modeled some of the buildings are. Oh, like yeah. I, I, a friend of mine uh, put up a, a screenshot on Facebook that I thought was pretty cool because he went to Stuyvesant High School and apparently it's like perfectly modeled in the game. He was like staring down at his high school in this game, so that's something that's pretty cool. That's actually. For me, it's interesting to hear that because uh, I'm a New Yorker also, like pretty much everybody else in this room, and I lived in Chicago for four years, and one of the ways that I would visit New York, I'm doing air quotes, is Grand Theft Auto 4. Because, (laughs) you know, the game was like a pretty well-modeled version. It had the spirit of New York, even though, like, not everything was perfectly accurately modeled. So that's something, that's a big reason why I want to try that game too, And, and Gundam definitely does sound pretty cool. Gundam Unicorn, you said it was called? Gundam Unicorn. Gundam Unicorn is something that I want to check out. I mean, like uh, Walt here said, Gundam, I haven't I haven't been able to watch it. So now I am now I want to watch it. So I guess that's something you and I will watch, right? That'll yeah. be a future geek out for you guys. Absolutely. For, mm-hmm. this, for this week, for me, I have to do a little bit of a geek out and a little bit of a, of a hate on because... So like I'll, I'll do the uh, the geek out will be short. It's a musical one, like it was um, one of the last times that we got together. I'm a big fan of the band The Perfect Circle, and this is not really new, but they had an album that came out earlier this year around April. Uh, I knew about it. I didn't really listen to it until the last like week or so. 
Um, I really, really enjoy it. Um, there are some songs on it that um, if you're a Perfect Circle fan, you'll listen to them and they are a little bit like paint by numbers. They're very much like, just like, this is a song that we would write and like, here you go fans, enjoy it. But there are some cool, like unique ones that show their evolution and they're, they're older now as a band. I believe he's almost 50 now, you know, cause he was in the band's tool yep. in the nineties, uh, Mayor oh. James Keenan, the lead singer. Um, but it's a, it's a really interesting album so far. Like I said, some of it is a little bit cookie cutter. Some of it is new and unique and I really, really enjoy it. Um, and it's got some great commentary on like, uh, the world as it is now. There's one song called Disillusioned that is basically about uh, addiction to TV screens and phone screens and computer screens. And it's a great music video, too. You guys should check it out if you like that kind of music. Um, I like Perfect Circle. Perfect Circle is pretty awesome. Yeah. I do enjoy them a lot. But the, the hate on, and I'll try to keep this short because I could go for a while about this one, <laughs> is I saw Venom last week oh, and my. I was I was all appalled oh my. appalled by this movie have we covered have venom yet? Why. no have we, we had have a piece not. on venom we, we, no. we've had venom in spurts we had a quick slice that we need we need, Aaron did a quick we slice. need our own slice for a debate on whether venom was good whether venom was bad maybe do we, we want a sequel maybe we, we well the sequel's happening that's for but do sure. we want it well Anna. i'll say this much about that if you guys want to dig into this I think we should do a, a, a deep dish, so to speak, perhaps on what everybody thinks about Venom, because it sounds like it's very polarizing in this room. And we got to bring Asa Balrog on this, because he's yeah. the one that did yeah, the quick slice. Yeah, he did our quick slice, so he so. has to give his opinion on it, too. And I know that Meta, Elias, you guys enjoyed it. Walt, like, you gave your opinion. It's kind of lukewarm. I don't know how you felt about it half I, I It's a mixed bag, mm -hmm. and I think that for, for the reasons that I went in, uh, I enjoyed it, and I... You're going to, uh, you're going to look at Venom differently depending yeah. on what you go to see it for. Yeah. If you go to see it for Venom, you're going to get a different result than if you go to see a good movie. It's it's yeah. definitely it's definitely, it's definitely a good it's way. It's a bit to, ironic to say, but that's definitely a good way to put it. And like just to, like I said, briefly touch on why I didn't like it. You brought it up uh, in conversation outside of the podcast, Meta. Like it's mm -hmm. it doesn't have Spider Man, and I should definitely go into it not expecting that. I didn't go into it expecting that. I knew Spider-Man really wasn't going to be in it. I was ready for a new story for Venom. The story they told for me was piss poor. Piss poor. I got to use that word. And, and it's unfortunate because it's based on a very good comic book storyline. I would have to read that comic it's to see a, because whatever they protector. did with this. What is it called? Lethal Protector. Lethal storyline. Protector. Okay. It's like. And we'll get into that, but like the, the reasons I didn't like it without getting into too much spoilery territory is I don't like how they characterized Eddie Brock. I, I don't like that he was such a wimp in this movie. He's not really like that in the comic book. And while I understand this is supposed to be a different Venom, I think that they would have benefited more from not having them both be, in their own words, losers. I didn't like that part. I really didn't like the way that they that they... I didn't need Venom and Eddie Brock to be lovable losers. I didn't need that. I thought I thought the way that they played off of each other, it was okay that it was funny some of the time. The fact that they were always trying to be comedic with Eddie Brock having a conversation with Venom, to me, maybe the first couple of jokes, I was like, all right, I'm kind of on board with this. After that, it fell flat. And I thought the Venom, the, the Venom, the villain, <laughs> excuse me. I thought the, ven Same the, thing. the, I thought the villain in Same Venom, thing. Venom is the villain in this one. I mean, I mean, the film itself is the villain to me. But the, I thought the villain was 
somebody put this it this way in a review. I don't recall who it was, but if this was you, take credit for it because this is a good way to put it. He seemed like the bad guy's assistant. He seemed like the main villain's assistant to me. He didn't seem like a real villain. He was just the guy who was kind of like creeping and like there's somebody above me who's going to like really kick your butt. That's what Riz Ahmed, the actor that played Riot in this movie, like he really didn't seem like a, a very good villain to me. And not even in the sense that he was a very simple cackling like muhuhaha, I'm going like, to take over the world. His villain. motivations weren't believable. Even beyond yeah. that, because there's plenty, even in Marvel's had that problem with some of their movies and the older MCU movies where the villain wasn't that great. But like in terms of their motivations, but they, maybe they like were good at chewing up the screen or like being charismatic and that made it better. There was nothing about Riot that I liked in this movie. And like, so, that's, if that's I may, for when, for if and when we do the deep dish on Venom, because mm -hmm. it seems like it's an interesting and popular topic for discussion. It very well maybe. I would recommend that everybody else here take a look at the movie Upgrade if they haven't already. Oh. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you. We'll get to that. I have that. I have that ready to watch. I love the fact that, that you brought yeah. that up. Because for me... That is the Venom movie that should have come out. Mm -hmm. so, okay. Budget cut Tom Hardy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, if that's you, the only way that you, you get like, it done. How'd you like Upgrade? Upgrade was... Upgrade was a very interesting film because it, it kind of... It, it, it pulled you on. And at no point do you really feel like you have a perfect grasp of what's going on. And then it it pulls almost this M. Night Shyamalan twist on you. Mm -hmm. But I love it. The movie is bold enough to end in the way it does. Hmm. And it's not normal. That's the thing about Upgrade. Yep. Upgrade as a film is not a normal film. It's not, it's not alien. It's not foreign to the planet Earth. But it is... You don't see a lot of it hmm. in today's Hollywood. And so I I, I I almost love it for that reason. Yeah, subversive uh, in a sense. I, I can't I can't recommend that that movie enough. Um, I actually before we had this podcast, I said we should all watch Upgrade, and then so we'll have do a conversation a deep about dish. It. And it'll be an interesting thing because you know what? We can then compare Upgrade and Venom, two movies that came out in the same year and have very similar storylines face off. Get dish on that. Yeah. But that's that's something that I want to check out as well. So, so upgrade like, comes highly recommended. What's yeah. up, Elias? So, like Hafa said, the twist is like it's like really good, I guess, because like you don't see it coming. Yeah, you don't see it coming. It's like out of nowhere. It's way in left field. Yeah, yeah. Nowhere would you even expect that that would have happened. So okay, but we'll we'll keep that for another episode. We'll get mm -hmm. back to that one in a little while. So after geeking out this week, we're going to start with a little bit of the the sad, uh, let's say, leading news of the week. This week saw the passing of the comic book and pop culture legend Stan Lee. Uh, he passed hero. away. He he was he was a, he was a real life superhero in, in many ways, um, and we can get to that in a minute. And and why we might feel that way. I certainly feel that way to a certain extent. I believe he was ninety five when he passed, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, we just thought it would be a good tribute to Stanley this week to kind of talk about how he affected us in terms of the pop culture that we enjoy, in terms of the comic books we enjoy, the characters we enjoy, and even in some ways how maybe Stanley has affected us in our, in our lives. So 
I guess I'll I'll kind of start. Um, for me, it's it's pretty easy to to tell you how Stanley affected me in terms of what I like in terms of pop culture. Um, as as a young man growing up, uh, when I first got into comic books, I was a huge fan of Spider Man, and um, you know you you mentioned earlier maybe like that Stan Lee that might not be his opus. Um, in a sense, I think that Spider-Man is. And the reason why I say that is because Spider-Man was one of the first comic book characters that was relatable. And that's what made Spider-Man such an incredible comic book character. Superman was never relatable. Nobody was a, was a space alien who like floated down to Earth and then decided to protect mankind just because he was a nice guy. Batman is not relatable. Nobody here is a rich psychopath. Like, you know, the DC heroes weren't relatable and they've made them more so today because of Spider-Man, because of a character like Spider-Man. For anybody who's been hiding under a rock for however long, Spider-Man was just a teenage kid, like probably 90% of his comic book readers who was, you know, nerdy, he was insecure, he was in love with Mary Jane and like he always felt like it was unrequited. He was, he was going through puberty. He had family issues. He had issues with friends. He had all these issues that were just, to anybody who was a teenager growing up and reading these comic books, incredibly relatable. You could see yourself in Spider-Man. You could see yourself as a superhero because of how Stan Lee wrote so intimately about what it was like to be a teenager. Um, and like to me, that was something that was really powerful about Stan Lee. He, he had a great way of relating his characters. He had a great way of, of creating an incredible message around his characters. Most iconic probably in that sense is, is the X-Men. For those, again, who don't understand the, the origins of the X-Men, uh, Professor X is essentially Martin Luther King Jr. And Magneto is, is uh, Malcolm X. Yeah. So... You know, the, the, the X-Men was written in mind with, with racism in mind, with the, with the upheavals of the 60s in, in mind, uh, with, the, with the civil rights movement in mind. The X-Men were meant to kind of stand in for the civil rights movement. And the, the interesting thing about the way that the X-Men were written is that when Stan Lee was behind the helm, Professor X and Magneto were not necessarily good guys and bad guys. They were just two different characters that saw conflict and saw a different way of solving it. And the thing about that was so that was so great again about Stan Lee is he never made a very very specific commentary, at least when he was in charge of it, on which was the right way to do it. He never really did that because Magneto was never really specifically always the bad guy. There were always good reasons for Magneto to be the way that he was, the way that Stan Lee did it. Um, so, you know, Stan Lee was, he created a character that meant a lot to me growing up. Uh, he created characters that, that personified the journey of being a kid, the journey of being a black man in America in a racist society. Um, he, he had real messages in his comic books that comic books had never brought to mainstream before. And so for me, I mean, a lot of us looking back this past week, think about, all that Stanley talked about in his comic books, he talked out against racism many times, against sexism and, and discriminating against people because of their religion. And so, like, 
in a way, and you know, he wasn't a perfect man. I don't want to, I, I always like to say like when somebody passes away like this, you know, it doesn't mean that they were a perfect individual, but the thing that was great about Stan Lee is that at least when he created his stories, he tried to represent the best of what people were and the best of, of what we could be. And so for me, that's why like <clears throat> in that way, I guess that's how you could say Stan Lee lives on in me. You know, he created one of the characters that I loved, one of the characters that really like made me relate as a young man. <clears throat> and he created these incredible characters that just anybody could relate to. You know, and, and told these incredible stories, brought these incredible messages, and so it's it's really it's really a sad thing to see Stanley pass after all this time, after bringing you know again also the largest cinematic universe, the largest probably cohesive storyline between different characters and different movies and different places and and different settings that's existed, and Stanley is basically a, like how that came about if it weren't for the spark that you created, so. I guess that to me, that's Stan Lee, and I want to thank Stan Lee. I want to, you know, give my condolences to his family. And the the world did lose to me a really great artist and a really great person. So that's how I feel. I don't know how you guys feel about how Stan Lee was to you. Just what do you? What are your guys' thoughts about what Stan Lee meant to you? I see. I see a, a smirk on your face over there, Meta. What do you feel? Well. Um... <laughs> Did uh, I say too much? <laughs> I, I kind of feel a little overwhelmed now. You want, you want like, me to go first? In yeah, this situation? I, I was getting a little choked up. For, for those of you that are listening, it was it's an emotional thing for me. Go so, ahead, tell us half. What do you think, man? So I've always, I've always had a high regard and respect for Stanley, being being the man that he is to to have fathered something that's so. That, that has grown to become what it is, that has defined the childhoods of so many individuals. Mm -hmm. And I refer to him now, looking back at it, as this sort of real-life superhero. Yeah. Because looking back on what he did and how he did it, what he accomplished, at every point it was this sense of friendliness, this sense of inclusiveness. Yeah. And a desire to, a desire to do good in the world. I I even remember I had done, uh, I looked a little bit at some video interviews of him uh, shortly after his passing. Mm -hmm. It was I wanted, I wanted to see him and to see his story. One of the things he was questioning uh, during his writing career was, oh well, what's so significant about my writing career when people are out there being scientists and engineers and all of that. But then he took a look to see just how much it affected people like you, Jose, how it affected people like me and so many others. And he realized the value that comes out of entertainment. And he called himself an entertainer. I call him a superhero. It's, it's, a, it's an inspirational story. There's every layer that came out of Stanley was one of just – more positivity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. And so to see him go, to, to see him go, I can only say, I can only, I can only say Excelsior to see him go because he has left, he has left the duty of superhero 
from him onto us. Yeah. His legacy will live on through Marvel and through our childhoods, through the people that he's inspired to become like him, to do good. And any way that they can, too. That's the interesting yeah. part. Yeah. Not just by through heroic acts. It's interesting that the man who you define as a superhero showed us that you don't have to do the most heroic thing that there ex that exists. You don't have to be a firefighter. You don't have to be a soldier. You can just be a simple man who writes stories that connect with people and that can make you a real superhero. You know, what's interesting, too, is he, um, I believe he fought in, I, I don't know, in specific, I believe it was World War II. It could be confusing it for mm -hmm. a different one. Was he, we, is that what yes, he's, he's a veteran. Yeah, he's a veteran. And yet we don't, we're not recognizing him now for his service, and we should, we should, but his impact can come from other ways, Yeah, and it can be just as significant. In, in fact, sometimes even more so, it just depends on how you do it. What do, what do you think, Elias? How does, how does, how does this make you feel? Um, so, honestly, I'm, I like to draw a lot. I sketch on my notebooks, mm -hmm. I like to do stuff like that, and you know, when I draw comics, Stan Lee's inspires me to draw, and you know when I when I draw a comic, I just think of his comics, and it it just helps me draw. And just seeing him pass, it's like it's so sad. And you know, like uh, uh, Hafa and Jose said, Stan Lee was like a superhero to me. I mean, he he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't like save people. Well, I guess he. In a way, right? Yeah. In a way, he saved people. Yeah, but he... he it's was not the most direct way, right? Yeah, he was a real superhero. Like, no matter what. Yeah. You look at this, some of the some of the nice things to see is all the cool comic strips and stuff that you've seen people draw over the past, like, few days or so. Kind of remembering him. That's really yeah. nice, you know, to see those. Everyone. There's some beautiful artwork, and, like, even, even DC has done some great tributes to him. Um... I mean, because they recognize how powerful he was, even for their business. I mean, who knows if DC would have even existed the way that it does be, if Stanley hadn't existed. Yeah, there's so many things that he touched <clears throat> in terms of um, just entertainment itself, not even comic books. You know, he he's Stanley was a character in of itself, in, in of himself. You know, he he the biggest superhero in the Marvel universe was Stanley. You know, yeah, um, without without question, he's um, he put part of his he put part of himself in his comic. One one of the great quotes that um, I remember him for um, was when he was talking about Spider Man. Spider Man is and always will be linked to him as one of his greatest comic books. I think mm -hmm. Spider Man is the most famous of the Marvel oh, characters yes. by far, right? And again. It speaks to what Jose was talking about, where Spider-Man is the most relatable because, you know what, he's just a boy living an average life, mm -hmm. you know, and he's pushed into these, you know, extraordinary circumstances. And so the interesting thing about what he was talking about when it concerns Spider-Man is, like, the thing about Spider-Man is that he wears a mask. And as he was writing and as he was creating, you know, um, and, and I'm, I'm doing a bad job of paraphrasing this, but, you know, he, he said it way more eloquently than I can ever do it. But basically the gist was 
the fact that Spider-Man had a mask, that could be anybody underneath that mask. Mm -hmm. It could be a white kid. It could be a black kid. It could be a Spanish kid, a Muslim kid, an Asian kid. It didn't matter. What what mattered was, you know, the values that Spider-Man embodied, you know, which is an extension of Stanley himself because he's writing and he's infusing life into these characters and these worlds. And the great thing is that we want, we're invested. We want to be in these worlds. We want to, we want to see the ideal that Stan Lee brought, you know? Um, so, you know, to me, like I said, he, he was, he was more, he was one of the biggest, um, figures in my generation, you know, and I, I did a quick slice before, and I spoke to the, all, all the things that, you know, I remember him for and all the things that, you know, I brought to my family with, you know, getting my kids to read comic books. That was their kind of gateway drug into reading, you know. Um, I, I'd go out and say, here's a comic book, check it out. And they were just enraptured with all these colorful characters and these amazing stories that Stanley and his and his group and his imagination just brought out there. So, you know, we we are gonna miss him. And, we are gonna miss him. And also, I I when by when uh somebody showed me some of Walt's drawings and mostly they were comic bookish. I guess. I used yeah. to draw Spider-Man too. Yeah. A lot. Spider-Man and the Hulk were my my go-to characters <laughs> yeah. whenever I drew, yeah. and I and I used to draw a lot of Iron Man also. Yeah. Iron Man was one of my favorites in terms of drawing. And it so. looks it, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like you can see. Uh, he inspired a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people got into drawing. A lot of people got into comic books. A lot of people got into writing stories. Because of the examples that he put out there, right? Yeah, and mm -hmm. and the location now, you you can check a lot of places, and all you see, Dad, Walt, Walt has a collection of comic books, and it's like a stash full of it. Yeah, like mm -hmm. it's literally, I'm not even sure how much, and it's like a stash, and yeah, we got a lot, few hundred comic books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's full of Marvel comic books. Full of Stan and, and Spider-Man yeah. comic books, too. And the interesting yeah. thing is that I would have had a lot more. Um, and again, you know, when, when I was a kid, I used to I used to have the habit of doing homework on my, on my parents' floor. Um, and underneath my homework books was always a comic book. And so, you know, whenever, whenever they were in the room, flip out. Oh, yeah, I'm doing my homework. I'm doing my homework. As soon as they walked out, boom. I'm back into reading the stories and stuff like that <laughs> until one day my father found me out and you know, he can't, he kind of went a little nuts and started ripping up some of my comic books, you know? So, um, it happens. Yeah. Some, some, and one of my favorite comic books that he ripped up was the one where Spider-Man fought, um, the Hulk in Canada. And that's the one that the Hulk almost killed Spider-Man because he dropped an entire dam on top of him. And so, um, and in that one, what eventually happened is the Hulk just got bored because he was tired of trying to, you know, catch this little gnat that was jumping back and forth. <laughs> and he just said, you know what? Later for you, I'm, I'm leaving. With it. You know? I've had enough of this. Yeah. That was one of the comics that unfortunately bit the bullet that day. 
But um, yeah, you know, there's we have a lot of comic books, you know, and we continue to collect comic books. That's just what we do in our family, you know. And again, that's part of his legacy. That I'm pretty sure our story is a story that's told a million times over, all over the place. That's why he's so unique and so interesting. What do you think, right. Metatron? We're gonna get back to yeah, Meta. What do you think? So well, the best lead us last. out of here. Come on, uh, you can do it. Stanley has mine, to, have, to have some sort of effect on you. Yeah, my my kind of thing is gonna pale in comparison to yours. Not necessarily, because like me, uh, I know I've said this in the past. I'm more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan, but mm-hmm. but it's fine. Before I even got to DC. I was in Marvel first. I was immersed in Marvel first. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, there was this really nice game that I used to play. Um, it was the Ultimate Spider-Man game, I think it was, yeah, where like so. Spider-Man is all slender-like, and you see like Venom, and he's all bulky. And yep. Like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And kind just of like, like extra cartoony, right? I think it was. <coughs> now, now that I think on that, where where on earth would that be? Had this brilliant man not dreamt it up? Like, right. no, like, it, if you think about it, all our pop culture right now would be a gigantic chasm had this man not existed. You know, they almost, they almost shut down Spider-Man because he was so different. He, def- he, he was everything a superhero wasn't, and that was the reason he succeeded. Yeah, so basically just yeah. thank you, Stanley, for, like just all these amazing stories you know and like if I'm being really honest you know Marvel was kind of my gateway into trying other things like once I got used to like comic book type stories I started branching out to like other stories and that's where like my creative juices just started going off and for that just truly thank you yeah thanks Dan the man a little bit for that so I I think we've all had a lot to say um, about what Stanley meant to us. That's about 20 minutes. We can probably go on forever about what Stanley meant in different ways, um, different aspects of our lives, different places in pop culture. Um, but again, I just uh, I just want to thank Stanley. You know, I just want to thank him for creating these stories that we all enjoy. What you and doing? I just want to say, want his more? cameos still live on in his, his comic cameos, books. <laughs> his cameos are amazing. Let's talk about something a little bit happier. Stan Lee's cameos are always going to be some of the most enjoyable parts of the MCU and uh, anything yeah. that he's in, including some DC stuff, too. For those <laughs> of you who know some of the other cameos he's made. Um, but yeah, thanks, Stan Lee. And... Give it one last Excelsior. 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 So now we're going to talk about the news of the week. So a trailer dropped for the live action movie called um, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. So there was a game. uh, I'm not sure. Very long series of games, including trading card games. Yeah, but I believe this one is based in Sinnoh, which was back. Yeah, or I saw an allusion to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure when it was made, but um, Detective Detective Pikachu was about. It's pretty much self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. It's Pikachu, but he's a detective. <laughs> and you know, when I saw this, I was like, "Whoa, this is mind blowing." 
because there's it, never been a Pokemon Pokemon movie that's been live action. Ever. Yeah. Never. Yeah, so I've done a lot of cartoon movies. Yes. Animated. Animated. Yeah. I've seen the the I saw the Pokemon movie that came out way way back when many years ago with Mewtwo as the main antagonist if I remember correctly. Yeah. But yeah, no, it it okay. So I'm like, as you can tell, we have a couple Pokemon fans here, right? I don't really know like Pokemon that well at all. Okay, I know some of the characters. I played Pokemon Go for a while, like everybody else on the planet. Even Pokemon fans don't know Pokemon very well. Well, yeah, I, even the people <laughs> who created so Pokemon characters. probably don't know Pokemon very well, right? What, They're probably confused up to, at this point. Like five hundred characters at this point. Is it more than that? I don't even know. I don't even know. Maybe you guys. I, know I'm that. not gonna lie. I kind of. St- I don't want to say. I st- well, yeah, I kind of stopped after uh, Black and White too, but at least in my mind, I'm able to recall. Let's see, Sinnoh, by the time the Sinnoh Pokedex was formed, that was 493 Pokemon. <laughs> wow. Hot dog. Man. Yeah. Well, so I think the original the original <laughs> game had 151. Yes. If I'm correct, right? That's or, right, right. It's 150 plus color. Mewtwo, right? Yeah. Now, Way so back who would have expected <laughs> that a small <laughs> franchise on the Game Boy Color would end up giving us Pokepool? This is yeah. This oh boy. Pokemon is is like oh boy. Pokemon is is its own universe unto itself, just like Marvel in a very in a very real sense. Maybe I would say. So I don't know much about Pokemon. Like that, I say all this to say I don't know a whole lot about Pokemon. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the bottom line perspective on this one. When I saw the trailer and I saw that Ryan Reynolds was of doing the freaking voice of Pokemon <laughs> of Pikachu. You know, Life after Deadpool too. <laughs> okay, but like Ryan Deadpool is Pikachu, man. Like this movie Pika is gonna Pool. make like a Pika trillion. Pool. That is definitely gonna be Deadpool. Kids dollars. Not. That you know what? You're probably right. He's gonna reference that in Deadpool three. I would, I would and it's gonna even, be awesome. I wouldn't even doubt that they do it in the reshoot for Deadpool two that's coming out this Christmas. That they maybe throw in like a little meta commentary, you know, Pikachu Pokemon references, perhaps. Who knows? There'll probably even be like a Deadpool reference in this Pikachu movie. One doesn't even know what they're gonna do, but like, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is funny. I've enjoyed Ryan Reynolds since like the days of Van Wilder. Obviously, everybody loves him as Deadpool. Obviously, like I know who Pikachu is, and even though I'm not a huge fan, I play the games. Pikachu's a cool character. Like pika, pika. the characters are cool. They're and they're interesting. Like the thought that they put into all the Pokemon characters and their powers and all that is really cool. And the, the the CGI looks really good. Okay, like there's a lot of reasons for me to think and for me to be intrigued by this movie as a non-Pokemon fan. I'm actually interested in seeing it. So like my first impressions of this, it's gonna make a freaking trillion dollars, and yeah. I might actually be one of the people to pay and go see this movie in the movie theater. What else do you what do you what do you guys think? So from for Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. from Green Lantern or no I should <laughs> I should say that yeah please Deadpool two address that Let's yeah. 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 Green Lantern doesn't exist <laughs> yeah doesn't exist he got shot before the screenplay was greenlit yeah. <laughs> but from to Reynolds. Deadpool. And now to Pikachu, that's a big jump, right? That's there. what makes it so clever, I think. No, yeah. He just his resume is so dynamic. How can <laughs> yeah. you turn it up? <laughs> I have voiced the I have voiced the man who wears rings and shoots light beams 
I have voiced a dual-wielding katana bad mouth, and I have voiced an electric rat. What on <laughs> earth could you possibly have to challenge? <laughs> and he voiced the much crappier version of that katana-wielding, more Baraka from Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> that was that. We also, Wait, that also got wiped yeah, that out, also right? Got that wiped doesn't out. exist because of Deadpool 2 either. Nope. So... <laughs> <laughs> You make an awesome point. I think that Ryan Reynolds is a big reason why this movie can make a lot of money. What are, what are the other opinions we got around here, guys? I think, come on, like, okay. what, do you, what else do We're you We're looking think? at a live-action Pokemon movie. What's I never saw that coming in a million years. Yeah. I did. I did, because I have a lot of friends who, who saw the trends that the franchise was going in. It saw what everything was, especially with a Pokemon fighting game. It's clear that it's clear that the that the people in charge are concerned with evolving. Haha, the series. <laughs> yes, I get that one. I get that one. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> and you know, you're probably right too, because even as a non-Pokemon fan, it seems like yeah, with with making stuff like Pokemon Go. The, the, I guess the games are always still like pretty big releases, but there's no show now, right? There's no is there a Pokemon show anymore? The Pokemon show is still around, but it's uh, it's, like, I, I haven't it's picked up and must he there's it's yeah. I think it's on Disney XD or something. Is it? So it's been on for like a long time, but like it's just not it's not sure. it doesn't have the same pop and like yeah. big place in pop culture that it used to. I know that right? yeah, yeah, that's so, that I can easily Say a lot of people who grew up on Pokemon, um, they aren't much, sticking with it. Like they're Marvel. much older now. Yeah, they are yeah. much older now, and it's unfortunate to see that that they are that they're leaving the franchise behind. It's kind of it's kind of hard to say that you're collecting these little cartoon characters to fight in an arena when you have to like go to but work. But isn't isn't there an awkward reports. there's an awkward parallel there with like Marvel, which defined yeah. childhoods, and you're saying. There's a teenage boy swinging around Manhattan well, versus a rat that can spew lightning. Here's why this is perfect, though, because by bringing it into live action, they're doing what the MCU did, right? They're, they're taking something that was iconic to a certain generation, and they're growing it up a little bit, a little bit, not too much. But it's grown up enough so that, yeah, maybe that, maybe that is a loaded comment, what I said about Pokemon. Maybe this is their way of making Pokemon grow up a little bit, so to speak. Well, so that the people who enjoyed it when they were younger can find a new appreciation for it in a slightly different way. So do you think that Pokemon is going to be around in the same version and in the same fashion that Marvel is? I'm not saying necessarily it's going to have that kind of reach, but I think that it's... I, I think that they're playing off what a lot of franchises do. These days is nostalgia. That's why you see Transformers movies coming out. That's why you see all these these iconic shows from like my childhood or Walt's childhood reemerging. Why things like GI Joe came back. He's wearing a GI Joe T-shirt, so it's kind of a reminder. Uh, go Joe! But like, <laughs> <laughs> America. oh, America. okay, uh, <laughs> real American. Don't worry about Captain that in America. Don't worry about that. But <laughs> that's in a way, yeah, like. Forget about that gap. That's no, that's the reason funny. why. Um, that's the reason why. Like to me, it seems like they're going to try to evolve it, and it's, it can't be like the MCU because it has 
fewer like big big protagonists, I guess you could say. Like the MCU has your Thor, your Spider-Man, your X-Men, like so many different characters that you can tell these huge stories around. I'm not saying that Pokemon only has Pikachu, but Pikachu is like by far probably I would say like the main draw of Pokemon, which is why this movie's about him, right? And, it, and it's interesting that you use the word evolve, evolve. With, ah. with Pokemon. Well, that was that was yeah. half a that was half a use the word evolve. So just I I thought the the uh, the trailer was was funny as all well. heck, um, but as the internet do, there's a lot of people that are freaking out over the the trailer. Why is that? Specifically because they look at Pikachu and they say, "Why does he have fur?" Well, because he's a rat. <laughs> yeah. But people, he's like I said, rat. as the internet does, they are freaking out over the fact that this this rat. Okay, you has know what? fur. Should it it's have like, hair? It's like whoa, 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 weird, whoa, 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 you know whoa, 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 what I'm saying? Whoa. What are you supposed to be? Like like a seal? Like, okay, I, like, I, I, I guess. I, I don't know. But, you know, it's it's like one of these things where you take a cartoon character and you're trying to realistic it upwards and stuff. And it, it looks a little weird. <laughs> so people are freaking out because they're saying, well, in the cartoon, he's very smooth. He's very loose. Okay, but I'm mad So, But now... He's got fur. What? What's that all about? Has he ever gotten wet in the cartoons? Yeah. Yes. And he's got. He's okay. shaking it so, off, right? So I like just. A cat I have a dog. brilliant question here because Pokemon is notorious for having these interesting explanations for these fantastical creatures and rodents. Mm -hmm. And you you see these in what the games have called Pokedex. Uh, every game has its own Pokedex. Fill it up and discover <coughs> all the Pokemon. Yeah, it's like a library, now, right? Meta, yeah. I know that you've played through some of them. I've played through some of them. Yes. These are normally very clear-cut, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, they, they define everything you need to know about this creature, what it's like, how what other creatures in the normal world you can relate it to. So they, they really do a And you to find them. Some backgrounds are They dark. describe their purpose yeah. in an ecosystem. It's like it's like I'd see a scientist. But you can't put fur on Pikachu. But what <laughs> do you expect them to explain that? Where is this disparity coming from? He's well, like a hairless chihuahua. At least that's what the internet wants, right? right well, first of all, my refute, my re my rebuttal to that, guys. If you watch the old series, you could see. I mean, and it was very subtle too. But I seem to remember an episode or two where I don't know Ash was like scratching the back of his head or something. You can see, and you fur. can see the little ripples there as if there's fur. So it's like, I mean, I know you guys are used to a smooth and rounded out Pikachu, but that's not the case. That's how he's hey. drawn. It's hard to draw a bunch of fur, like. Yeah. And it's also a stylistic choice. But if we're going to realistically recreate Pikachu, I'd say I'd give this a, a 9 out of 10. I'm not going to say anything's perfect. Hey. Nothing can ever be perfect. There is never a 10 out of 10. But as far as anything goes, that is a very good 9, 9.5 Pikachu iteration. That's a solid Pikachu. I'm looking for Pikachu with hair. What do you, what do you think, Elias? I'm looking for photos of Pikachu with hair. Peeps. It's Pikachu. You can't get mad at him. Respect Pikachu. Pika Pika. He's <laughs> furry. Hug. Yeah. And <coughs> does it really matter? It's not that important. Oh, I made... To some people, it's very important. Yes. Yeah. But I don't think it's the most important. For the thing internet, it's very important. Yeah. But because the internet always likes to argue about something. That's how they yeah. feel, but I don't know. 
Anybody else have any thoughts on this trailer? I think I think we're good with Pikachu. I think we understand a little bit about Detective Pikachu. So, guys, let's lead into the next topic of the week for our genre news. This week, uh, a new season three teaser trailer for Young Justice revealed that Apocalypse is coming, and also a release date has been announced. Meta, I saw you perk up. (laughs) My little bit on that is ever since the ending of season two, which was very, very, oh, wow, that was emotional. I mean, for those of you who haven't caught up, Mm -hmm. I mean, how could you not have caught up by now? (laughs) First of all. Yes. So for those of you who for some reason have not caught up, I'm going to issue a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Wee-oo, I don't think you do a spoiler alert for something that ended like okay, four or five th- years th- ago. <laughs> all right, but this is like the so. internet, all right? So for whatever reason. You're arguing there about a go. furless Pikachu. Somebody's okay, laughing. Might argue about this. Somebody's laughing in the background, by the way. <laughs> all right. So just where it left off, like I know when Young Justice Season 2 left off, and I saw Vandal Savage travel to Apocalypse. I was like, okay, crap's getting serious. Mm, okay. And so I'm really anticipating this third season. Especially since I am a fan of the Fourth Worlders and just anything that has to do with them. Dark Side, I'm in. That's always a good thing to see Dark Side come to the DC Universe finally, even though he's supposed to be in Justice League, in Zack Snyder's oh, Justice League. Justice League. Justice League, Justice League, Justice League. We don't have to talk about mustache, that. Mustache. I'm watching the teaser trailer myself right now, and it definitely has a cool look for Apocalypse. Um, Young Justice, I've seen a few episodes of it, and it's definitely a, a pretty cool show. I haven't seen it probably as much as you have. But uh, that's the thing that's interesting to me, at least about DC, is it seems like a lot of their TV shows tend to be better than Marvel shows, their cartoons especially. So... This definitely looks like something that might be worth checking out. Um, who else? Coming out January 4th of next year. January 4th is when this comes out? Yep, on their DC Universe streaming app. So, uh, um, Just like everybody else. They're trying Has to anyone actually bought a membership to that DC streaming We app? do. Us. Mm-hmm. Meta and Wall. We've actually been watching um, the show Titans. We're up to Oof. episode three. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. Actually, not a bad show. Not a bad show. Not a, not. You just the have best to really show. give it a chance. Yeah. I mean, it's. I know it, the very edgy Robin, F Batman. But yeah. like, once you get past that, you, you just honestly you gotta give it a chance. Yeah, that's it, all I'm gonna say. It, it's a reimagining of the characters. It's not a straight adaptation of the characters. So some people may find some fault with that, particularly with Starfire. Oh, Starfire is, people are having is a, a yeah. very different character. Her look um, is weird. Well, her, her look, I, you know what? I, I, you get effects. past that. She's an alien, for God's sake, you know? Yeah. But but her her story is a little bit different than what it is in the comic books. Um, but, you know, if you take it for what it is, it's actually a pretty good show, and it seems like it's getting better with each episode. Mm-hmm. So the first episode is a little rough. But if you stick to it, like I said, I think we're up to episode three. Yeah. So yeah, as far um, as us seeing it together. Yeah. So you know, it's um, but the the streaming app still, you know, to half his point, the streaming app still is very half baked. Um, and I stuff already, yeah, right? yeah, I, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to be the kind of like yeah, the new Netflix in terms of the DC verse, um, but. You know, 
right now they only have the one show in terms of Titans, and I understand that they're doing a Swamp Thing, they're doing a Doom Patrol, um, they're bringing in Young Justice. So there are other things in the pipeline, but right now the streaming service is very, very bare bones. Um, they do offer comic books that you can read, much mm -hmm. like the fair. Marvel Unlimited comic books. But again, bare bones because they they limit the amount of comic books that's on there. So you don't have the, their full library. Um, they do offer a lot of the animated movies, which, like you know, Jose said, mm -hmm. they are far superior to some of the stuff that Marvel puts out there. Especially the animated stuff. Yep. TV shows the are probably TV shows are there also. Like the live TV shows, I don't know if the D... Well, yeah, the DC Universe probably gets the nod yeah. there, too. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. they have the old Batman... The old Wonder Woman animated series or the Batman? No, the actual live action show with Linda Carter, Batman. Yeah, the Burt Ward, Burgess Meredith, Burgess Meredith, Batman. You know, you have the Linda Carter Wonder Woman. You have that old series from way back in the day, Birds of Prey. You know, so there there are some stuff there, but they really have to fill it out for it to be a robust streaming service. We got a couple of shows right now. Yeah. To so, see where that kind of turns out. Until Disney Plus comes out in Rec Shop. Yeah, Disney. <laughs> I was going to say that. I mean, if you're going to compare the two, Disney's probably going to, like, well, just like they've been doing with Marvel, they're going to, like, stomp all over poor DC because DC just doesn't have the momentum that Marvel Runners does. makes poor yeah. decisions. They, 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 they honestly do. Oh, oh, sorry. That's, that's a whole other conversation. And on that note, that's a really good segue because Speaking of Disney, Disney Plus, um, they just announced another brand new live action Star Wars show. This one featuring live action Star Wars show. Yeah, another live, live action. action Star Wars show. Diego, mm -hmm. Diego Luna is going to be reprising his role as Cassian Andor from Rogue One. And so this is kind of going to give his origin backstory prior to the events of the movie. So, you know, Disney Plus keeps on rolling. I'm actually I'm actually kind of excited about this. Uh, I liked Rogue One a lot. I think in terms of at least story, it is one of the best Star Wars movies. I agree. I really think it was. Um, the third act might be where I thought it faltered a little bit just to give a, a bit more of a detailed opinion on it. But I think that... Uh, Diego Luna's character to me was one of the better ones, if not the best character. I I enjoyed the the main character, um, Jan Erso. Jan Erso, played by uh, Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones. Jones. Thank you for getting those couple of perking <laughs> those names out of the air for me. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, I enjoyed her character, but I thought his character was more interesting and more complex because of his. Sort of his backstory, which they're going to expand upon in the show, but like also the way that he was not a double agent, um, but he was a more complex version of what you usually see where the rebels are just good guys. Like he, he was a character that acknowledged he had done really bad things as a part of the rebellion, which is something they didn't explore in Star Wars too much before this, not in movies at least. In the expanded universe, certainly, and in the, the Legends universe, they certainly expanded upon that a bit more. But that, for me, was 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 a, is, or is a good reason, I should say, that I'm excited about the show. And I've actually known about and seen Diego Luna for a long time. I've seen him back when he was mainly in Spanish language films like Itu Mama Tambien and movies like that. So I'm I'm excited to to see him kind of dig his dig his acting chops into 
what was a story that definitely could use a lot of expansion, yeah. in my opinion. And I, I want I want to see them expand on the fact that he was part of the Separatists, which goes back to um, mm-hmm. the prequel era, mm-hmm. you know, and and the, the the notion that the Separatists became the rebellion. That to me is very interesting, and I hope that they really get into that because, you know, to hear that when the movie came out, it was just like a shock because, in in the prequels, the separatists were basically the bad guys, and to see them morph into the rebellion against the empire, you know, I, that's a story I would like to see told. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see this this show. Uh, come to the Disney streaming service, and I don't know what do you what do you guys think? Anybody? Well, I'm just gonna really quickly piggyback off of what Walt said. Uh-huh. I I find that an interesting storyline to see too, especially after the assassination of Newt Gunray on Mustafar, mm-hmm. and to see how just the power structure completely shifted in the Separatist Alliance. Because what you see in that alliance is they were very very money based. That that was their main thing, and mm-hmm. basically. Oh, we, as the Trade Federation, we don't believe we're getting a fair say. Ah, we're going to cause an uproar. It's It'll be interesting to see how it goes from that to a more, hey, you know what? The galaxy is in a tight spot. Let's yeah. maybe uh, rewrite our constitution or whatever. Those would probably be on the opposite sides of where you would find somebody motivating their conflicts. Like, money, 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 money. And like, but then with the you know, the galaxy's a screwed up place, guys. We should really try to fix this. Like, <laughs> yeah. where where did that shift happen? That yeah. is a good a good good point. Well, like I said, I think one of the things that really would have facilitated that was the assassination of Luke Gunray. So I could see that as like a, a tipping, like a very very. Oh my God! What do you call those? Uh, tipping, not a tipping point. Turning point. Turning point. A turning point or a or a catalyst, maybe you yeah. could say, like a spark that starts the shift in the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts? What? Um, not too sure. Not too sure about it yet. Yeah. Um, did you like Rogue One? Do you think Rogue One was a fun movie? Did you like his character in Rogue One? Rogue One was. Rogue One was good. Mm, sounds like you're a little but on the fence. But you know, I'm not. I'm actually not too sure. It's like I can't really explain. Yeah. Go on, go on. Like, what it is, like, okay, so, was it because it was different from the other Star Wars movies? Is that kind of what it was? Yeah, kind of. Less Jedi and stuff like that? More war story? Yeah, Uh, I guess. I think, like, the the thing for, like, maybe, like, Walt and I is that the reason we like it maybe so much compared to you is that we've seen so much Star Wars mystical wizard Jedi stuff. And so it was kind of cool to see something that was a little bit different, um, that didn't involve the Jedi so much, that kind of showed the rest of what Star Wars is about. And, th- th- you know, this is another topic of conversation, too, for another time, but that's kind of one of the things that was interesting about The Last Jedi to me. And that's a loaded topic of conversation. Well, Solo tried to do that. <laughs> uh, Solo tried to do that, but I think it was to, to probably lesser effect. But that's a whole other Again, that's a whole we other conversation more Star Wars for another on time. We yeah. <laughs> talk about Star Wars all the time, guys. We'll get to it. Yeah, and it's interesting because <laughs> at this table we have three different type of fans here, three generations. You know, yeah. you and I, Jose, we're original trilogy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Hafa and Metatron here, 
they're more into the prequel era, mm-hmm. and Elias here, he's he's more into the sequel era. So you know, yeah. we have a lot of different takes on the Star Wars universe. That's just me. Past, <laughs> present, and future. Exactly. So, speaking of that, though, I find it interesting. Diego Luna could see his role act sort of as the face of successful prequel films. Because right. we have Rogue One underway, yep. mm-hmm. and if this new show is going to take off, and one of the main complaints about the prequels was that the actors being hired were quite poor. Diego Luna has shown that he's not a bad actor and can satisfy his role pretty well. So if he's given good material, we just might see a new face. Yeah, so that's two Star Wars live-action uh, shows in the pipeline. We have The Mandalorian and The Andalorian. So, <laughs> so anyway, the next the next piece of news we have here is really really short, and um, so we have a new series coming out from the producer of Castlevania, which um, is a show on Netflix. The first season is about four episodes. You should give it a watch. It's basically, you know, as long as a movie because each of the episodes are thirty minutes long. So. You know, if you've got nothing to do, check it out. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, the second season, I think, is a little bit more robust. I think it's either eight to ten episodes, but they're still 30 minutes each. Um, but it is a really, really good show. It's probably one of the better video game ad- adaptations that it's out there. And so this guy is now coming in, and he's tackling a new show. Now, originally, a lot of people were, were thinking that this was going to be finally a Legend of Zelda show, but... On Friday at 3 o'clock Eastern time, on his Instagram, um, he put out that it's going to actually be a Devil May Cry series. Um, We don't know what platform and where it's going to be shown, but he's going to be working on it. So um, I don't know what you guys think about it. I'm kind of excited. Capcom desperately needs that money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Castlevania show, the Castlevania show is a really good show, so I'm curious to see what he does with Devil May Cry. Yeah, well, there's two seasons of Castlevania out by uh, by now. Uh, yep. For anyone who's looking for that, two seasons of four episodes each. Um, no, no, the second episode has more. The second oh, episode, I mean, the second, second season, season has like about eight, eight to ten. episodes. Yeah, me. there you go. So, so eight episodes in season two, but they're each thirty minutes. They're about thirty minutes long. So yeah, it looks like season really one quick. breaks them down about twenty three minutes each. Season two about twenty five minutes each. Yep. But I digress. Devil May Cry. Um, the games were great. I don't know if the lore, in my opinion, is as fun or as strong enough as like a Castlevania. I think that it, maybe maybe it's a little bit more of a goofy, like fun type of Castlevania because yeah. Devil May Cry always had a little bit of a humor behind uh, the main character Dante. Yeah, the ba- it was he built basically to be charismatic. Yeah, the, the guy couldn't die. Yeah, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was entertaining, but like I was never like so invested in the story of the Devil May Cry games. It was just a, an awesome game to play. It was just a fun action game. Yeah, it was just bullet hell. So, bullet and you know, that's a good point. Maybe that'll be the appeal of the show. The appeal will be it's going to have, like, some really, really great action scenes, and that's going to be, like, what's awesome about it. But I guess we also don't know what kind of show it is. Like, it could be animated like Castlevania. I would expect it to be, but who the heck knows what it actually will end up being. So, um, I mm-hmm. haven't played... Um... Uh, the Devil May Cry, but Adi Shankers. Yeah, that's uh, the that's the guy that um, is producing. He actually bought the rights to Devil May Cry. 
Yeah. So, so it's something that he really wants to do. Yep. Yeah, he made, he pretty much made, a, he, like Walt said, Castlevania was a great show. Mm-hmm. And we're, still, we're still watching season two. Yeah, so. and by far, like, when I started watching it, the first episode, I was, I was like, wow. My mind was blown because it was a great, it was a great episode and you know, it had like this dark tone, I guess, mm-hmm. and it kind of. And Dra- Dracula yeah. wasn't an altogether bad Dracula, right? Yeah, it it kind of. They, it gives the reasons. Yeah. Right, as to why he does what he does, right? Yeah. So. And you know, if he can make Castlevania that game uh, into a great show, then you know. The Devil May Cry might be a good show, so I'm actually looking forward to it. We'll see how it turns out. Any other see, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit to that opposite side because from what I under, from what I understand, from what I've seen of Castlevania as a franchise, it's much more serious. It's much more, it's much more developed mm-hmm. in its stories. Yeah, it's about like generations of Belmonts, and yeah. the Belmont family, you know. So. There's, there's a certain style that has to be used when creating a Castlevania series, mm-hmm. and that was clearly done and well executed. But can that same style be used when we're trying to create a a demon hunter who eats pizza and plays the guitar while <laughs> just r- Destroying everything in his path. It's like well, Castlevania meets Ninja Turtles. The most that we've seen of Devil May Cry being a story-driven game, if you can call it that, is is with the interactions that the Devil May Cry characters have. People love Trish. People love Dante. People adore Virgil. And so they come to the games and the stories for them, mm-hmm. along with the sadistic <coughs> style of gameplay. That too. You so, juggle so people with bullets uh, up in the air. How, because I have a, a way of envisioning how this Devil May Cry can be done. And you know, I'm not 100% you know, um, involved in it. I've never really played it as much as it appears you have. But the way I see it, the Devil May Cry universe, to me, the way that you would do it would be something similar to the way that The Crow was originally done. There's a guy, there's a guy he was a former rocker, you know what I'm saying, walks around with his guitar and stuff, and he ends up killing everybody, you know, because of what happened to his girlfriend and stuff. Wasn't too so, comedic, though. Wasn't too Crow comedic. Wasn't comedic. And, and, but it more of a, the character. There's so, so there's, there's, two, there. there's two ways you could do it. You can... You can go full-on comedic with Devil May Cry, or mm-hmm. then you can take it into that darker area, which they did in Castlevania, and make it kind of like a crow type of character where he's just going around and he has a certain motivation that he's got to go around killing everybody and stuff like that. I don't using think the, the show territory. Yeah. I don't think the show can survive with only one, though, with focusing on only one, because you're going to... It will not satisfy what Devil May Cry is known for. 
Okay. Because people want people people come to a show because to, they like their characters. Because they like their characters, they want a yeah, story, how they've been and those will be entertaining. People want Devil May Cry's charisma because that is a mark of Devil May Cry. You can't have it without the comedy, without the style and attitude. So if we're to take Dante and Virgil, everything that composes Devil May Cry and make it overly serious, you'll get something like the most recent reboot, which was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if it could survive that kind of thematic change. I think, like okay. you said, Castlevania like said, didn't shift too much. Right, it was it went from dark to being maybe a little bit darker in in the in the anime. So. Can Devil May Cry survive the shift from being funny to being a little bit darker? We're on the fence over here. I don't know. But, you know, that's fine. I think we all kind of agree to disagree on this one. It seems to be one of the most polarizing topics of the day. It'll be an interesting thing when we get more information on it. Yeah, you know? this is just so, a very this will be something to go down in the basic introduction. Yeah, we'll see exactly. how it goes. Okay, so for our last topic of discussion, we will be dis- we will be discussing the very controversial character of Kylo Ren of the sequel films from Star Wars. Which yes, from Star Wars. Which sequels? Are they the sequels that are the prequels, or the prequels that are the sequels, or the sequels that are the sequels? <laughs> Which ones are we talking about here? I need an episode seven, number seven and eight, and possibly nine. Seven and possibly, possibly. I hope he's well, when I say possibly. possibly, I mean we don't know for certain what's going on with him there. We'll speculate on it, but we won't ultimately know until we see the movie. <laughs> but he's going to be there. Yes, we yeah, he's going to yes. be there. What, what yeah. if Whether he'll be shirtless again is a topic today. I think he, go, he goes pantless this time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. First he goes, first he loses. Ben first, Swolo. Yeah. So. <laughs> first he doesn't have his helmet. Right. Then he doesn't have his shirt. Wow. What's next? Wow. Okay. So we, have hubba, hubba, hubba. we have a lot of ideas around. <laughs> so what I want to do. <laughs> so what I want to do first is I just want to go around the room. What do you guys think of this guy as a character to begin with? Hafa. Let's let's start with you. Let's go, Hafa. Come on. And see our reactions before we start talking. <laughs> that might be the funniest part. We'll get video on this eventually. I promise you it'll be wonderful. Hafa, what do you think, man? What do you think? Is it fair to call this thing a character? I've seen whiny, edgy teenage boys before, but Kylo Ren takes the cake. Oh, well, because it's he Adam does. Driver of Girls fame. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like the emo prince. S, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> he, this, this thing has the audacity to call himself a Sith Lord that would live up to Darth Vader. Not a Sith Lord yet, though. Not a Sith Lord a yet. Dark side a, a, a dark, dark he's, side he's user. He's a dark side yes. user, which we are now going to separate because... Thanks, new iterations of Star Wars. <laughs> um, he's he's trying to live up to Vader. He, he's doing such a poor job that Ray, this out of nowhere desert, this homeless desert girl, can come in and say, "You're afraid she's you'll not, never have the power she's not to surpass Darth Vader." But she's not homeless. She lives in an attic. <laughs> 
<laughs> so he has this audacity to act all like a Sith Lord and stop laser bolts in the sky. And yet he also has this brilliant thing of ruining fans' childhoods by killing for seemingly no reason besides his contract wanted to be over, Han Solo. The baddest of all the bad uh, space... I don't, Rebels? Is it fair to call him Rebels? Is he a space uh, smuggler. He's a smuggler. He's a smuggler. He's a smuggler. Yeah. Smuggler, smuggler, scoundrel. 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 Yeah, that's the best way Rebels to describe it. Rebels, the baddest good guy you'll ever find. Nerf and then scoundrel. the worst <laughs> bad guy you'll ever find. Not because he's evil, just because you don't like him. Kylo Ren is the one who kills him. He's not a good character. He is, he is the type of character who is shouting and angry for no reason. He's something you laugh at. Is this the same, is this the same type of character that Darth Vader was? Is this the same type of character well, that, that we oh want boy. to see uh, as a villain? Does he uh, we'll, we'll fill the we'll same role? Is he supposed to? No, I don't think so. No, I, I think I think the whole point is that he's he's so desperate in trying to emulate Darth Vader, and he fails spectacularly at it, right? But I gotta go back to the whole Darth Vader thing because we did have whiny Anakin in Attack of the Clones. But Clone. nobody liked whiny Anakin. But I think that's yeah. the point. Then why are we getting him again? Because yeah. because. J.J. Hey, Abrams, <laughs> Abrams likes to rehash old old ideas he and does. stuff like that. But for, for me, I think he's probably one of the most interesting characters. And the reason why I say that is because out of all the characters in this new iteration of Star Wars, with this new sequel era, um, I believe that he has had the biggest arc so far. Um, Ray's kind of been... The Ray good has girl. Been static. Right. She hasn't had an arc. She's been she's, she's always known what right. she's doing and has never had to exactly. overcome anything without waving her hand. Exactly. So yeah. she she is the person that you will owe and I'm I know before Last Jedi came out there was some speculation whether she's gonna go dark side or not, right? Yeah. And everybody what was like, Oh great that idea would be. that would have yeah, been. I know. Yeah, but then we got But then she didn't, you know? Yeah. And and so her story arc is pretty much like you said, static. It started as her being the hero. She hasn't had, you know, any really bumps in the road, so to speak. She hasn't gone through tragedy. It seems the tragedy in her life happened before the movies, where she lost her parents and she doesn't know anything. All right. With Kylo Ren in Force Awakens. We see how powerful he is in that first opening act, yeah. where he holds the the blaster shot from um, Poe Dameron for the entire time that he's talking, and it's only as so he walks away. Yeah, as, so. uh, only when he walks away. We've never seen a dark a dark side user with that level of power, right? And yes, that he's whiny. Power, yeah, that particular power. And yes, he's pretty whiny and stuff like that. But you know what? He's I think he's growing as a character because he went from that whiny little, you know, oh, the, the point where they're laughing at him and stuff, or people, they even made the um, 
the SNL skit, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, where he was the, the, I think the, yeah. the engineer. The engineer, right? I saw Kylo Ren part. take his shirt off. Yeah. Six yeah. Years. Six years. <laughs> yeah, he had yeah, exactly, something. You know? He had something. So he, he's been a character, but you know what? In Last Jedi, I think he, he really pushed himself forward because, you know what? He was able to, to kill Snoke. He's kind Not of taking at, over. Well, in the most fantastic manner possible. Right. But, you know, I think in episode nine, we're going to see him mature even even further. I don't think he's a redeemable character. I think him killing Solo kind of cemented that. Um, and I don't think he's going to be going to the, to the good, to the light side anytime soon. I, I know he keeps saying the light side keeps pulling him back and stuff. But I think the events of Last Jedi is, is pretty much pushing him fully down to the dark side. And I think in episode nine, we're going to see him as a full dark side user, borderline Sith Lord. And, you know, he's going to have this, he's going to do something deplorable. That's at least what I think. That it's just going to really cement him as one of the strongest Star Wars villains that we've had. And, you know, it's going to take everything to defeat him. Now, so, I noticed that's you how... used the keyword villain mm-hmm. as though he is one. Why now, isn't he a villain? Why isn't he a villain? Like... Because we've had much more imposing figures doing evil things, cough, cough villains, than, uh, than Kylo Ren has. For example, Snoke was a better villain than Kylo Ren because Snoke was powerful, Snoke was mysterious, Everyone was interested and was not upset at Snoke until we found out that he was a nobody. And but so it was until he died. Until he died. Until he died as a nobody. And he died very ignorant. He, he died, you know, with his hubris, you know, and and he was he we was can't thinking. Call that artistic if we don't know the character. I, I know, but he he was he was so full of himself that he, it never dawned on him that Kylo would be able to mask his emotions to that level where he didn't realize that the person that he actually was wanted, he wanted to kill was himself, was Snoke. So, you know, that's why I, I think... But what else can we use to define Snoke besides that? And again, this is one of those interesting cases where the writing of this... I, I don't know how we can call it a character. There's nothing there to cement Snoke as something. He's a villain, sure, but is he a character? No. And it's the same case for Kylo. Kylo, at most for his character, is a whiny, is a whiny little boy. So and let me, he's not a villain because he doesn't satisfy the antagonist. Let role. me just ask you a question. How much of a character was Emperor Palpatine in the original trilogy? Oh, no, he was... He, he was, was very similar. He was, he was very similar. He had very little character, but he mm-hmm. had a great essence of a villain. Because what did he do? He acted... He did these incredibly evil things, tearing, tearing at both Vader and at Luke Skywalker. He was imposing. He was powerful. That was clear. How mysterious was he? It wasn't necessary to know because the story allowed us to say he is the one to blame for all of this. You have seen- on top of Vader, of course. But we, we can say on top of Vader, of course, because Vader's a villain. Mm-hmm. Kylo's not a villain. Uh, Palpatine and Snoke, to me, are... Almost the same characters. Yes. You know, basically, and and the parallels, and I don't know if this is a J.J. Abrams thing, uh, that he's, again, he was he's mimicking the original trilogy. You have um, Palpatine, who was manipulating both Vader and Skywalker, 
we have Snoke who was manipulating both Ray and, and Kylo. Now, yeah, they're very different characters, you know, um, but for me, you know, Palpatine and Smoke, they're they're basically Snoke, they're basically the same person, right? Yeah. Um, Kylo, like I said, I think he's they're building him to something. They haven't gotten there yet. That's that's what I feel. So yeah, and so like I wanna just I you made a very interesting, like without even realizing it. A thought just kind of like snapped in my brain. But before I do that, uh, Elias, you want to you want to say something for a little bit? What is? What I is have that? three things I want to say. Mm-hmm. First of all, SNL, the skit, you need to watch it. <laughs> uh, this might this is a spoiler alert, but when when you watch it, um, Kylo, who pretends to be um, a repairman. Yeah. Uh- what is it? Antenna repair or something like that. Spoiler skip uh, how many seconds from now. I'm not even sure. But he sends a card to one of the other people <laughs> that I'm sorry for killing your son. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, and it's sorry, just Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Didn't say like love Kylo Ren or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good sketch. Yeah. That was and fun to see after the movies came out. The other thing. Now, this isn't, uh, I guess. So, Let's put it this way. I don't think we need to put spoilers up because anybody that's listening to this podcast that is a Star Wars fan has probably seen the movies probably a bunch of times. I don't think anybody's seen episode nine yet either. So, I don't think we can spoil that. I think we're good. (laughs) So, go for it, Elias. Tell us. Go for it. So, um, also... Kylo does have a dark... He has a really strong and dark connection with the Force. If he has enough power to over... If he, if he can overpower his master, Snoke, who apparently everyone is afraid of, then that's like, whoa. You didn't I gotta disagree him. with you there. Yes, well, oh my he god. Not he did not him. in any way overpower him. He outsmarted him. Yeah. Outsmarting Wait, him sometimes there is, is better something than else outpowering you somebody. There was okay. something else Elias wanted to say, right? Was there another thing you wanted to mention? Well, yeah. Um, this is still the second thing, but yeah. He did he didn't overpower him. He outsmarted him, but if he, he beat him. Since right. he beat him, like that's whoa. Um, third thing. Um the third thing. Wait. I forgot. It was that thing. <laughs> All right. So about the stuff. With so, the oh, that thing? You know, right? <laughs> no? From the Kylo. From... Um, oh, yeah. So, third thing. Third thing. Um, Kylo. A lot of people think he, thinks he's whiny mm-hmm. and that he sucks. Most people do. Maybe some people don't. I'm not <laughs> too sure. But he, he even uh, <laughs> excuse me. I, I had something in my in my throat. I think it was a case of uh, bad acting, or was it a bad character? <laughs> yeah, but Sorry. he applies the insane trolls, and it's like, yeah, pretty much making a character powerful though doesn't make him a good character. Yeah, okay. that's the thing. So here's so my Or do you want to go ahead and say something about yeah. 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 I'm curious what you say, Matt. On the one hand, 
Overpowering? No way, Jose. Well, he, admi- yeah. he admitted to that yes. one. He did. Because, like, just... All right. Toss All right. Ray around so like a rag, though. That's, that, that's... Toss both of them around. Oh, and not even that. Mm-hmm. Kylo, who's supposed to be strong in the dark side of the Force, couldn't get through her thing. But then, once he got you, you had the whole body convulsion. Yeah. Crap. Uh-huh. But the main thing that I wanted to, to I guess, contribute was... You, we, we were talking about a lot how he was overconfident when it came to Kylo. Mm-hmm. That kind of just sent like a trigger off in my brain because it reminded me of the story of Darth Plagueis and Darth Sidious. Oh, my Lord. Yes, yeah. because hear, hear me oh, out, guys. Sith Lord. Hear me out, guys. I think For, I know first of all, Darth Plagueis, so powerful, he can manipulate the Force in ways that are, like, completely ridiculous. Cheating death and all kinds of crazy yes. things, right? As what specified happened people's. to him? He died. He died. But... In quotes. Of Conspiracy theories. In, in talking about this overconfidence thing, it just... It's, it's a parallel. Because, what, he died in his sleep. Okay, well, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't sleep when you're around Darth Sidious. You should, well, no. You, probably, you shouldn't sleep around Darth Sidious. You probably Sidious, shouldn't fall asleep around that guy. The ground. point is... Around that guy. <laughs> he was, okay, let, let's just look at it this way. He was asleep. <clears throat> you're asleep, you're generally feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. And if you're powerful, you're, you're thinking, okay, well, no one's going to wake me up. I'm powerful. I'll just zap them. They're dead. He assassinates him. Mm-hmm. What happens to Snoke? He's like, oh, I feel all of these emotions, and oh, crap, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. What happened there? Overconfidence. What I'm seeing here is that, or what I, at least I think I'm visualizing here, is a very, very over overconfident yeah. character. And why I think the Plagueis theory works so well for Snow. Mm-hmm. Because well, don't forget really quickly. Overconfidence has been something that all of them have been accused of. Because your overconfidence is your weakness. Your faith in your friends is yours. Is a very famous line from the Return, Return of, the of the Jedi, where again, Palpatine is a little bit too confident in what Vader would do for him, and Vader following in or- his orders, and Vader being a, a very obedient puppet. And we all we all know what happens to to Palpatine as a result of his overconfidence there. Yeah, Spin it on. Continue with it. What's what's this? Where does this theory go? Is it's it well, has I a was title just, place. I was just looking at. I was just like, I guess, sort of analyzing that. Oh well, this guy felt comfortable enough that he didn't think anything would happen to him. But what happened? Are. He well, got all the the big Sith lords so far, if you consider Plagueis, Sidious, and now Snoke. Even though I guess he's not a Sith lord, because well, they're playing around with the mythology yeah. there a little bit. But they've all kind of suffered for their overconfidence, right? I guess that's kind of a good way. You could also make the case that the Jedi suffered from that also. Well, that's... The Jedi must be Darth Plagueis. (laughs) (laughs) You have to go a little bit deeper into that one, too, I think. How can we we entertain that when Snoke has received bare-bones character development? The only thing that defines Snoke is his power and his overconfidence. That's it. And his gold robe. <laughs> that is a fashion statement. In he has himself. a nice city. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so here's how I feel. And here, here's what I think is going to really 
drive home whether these characters are good or not. To me, mainly Ray, but also Snoke. Because what what I got from Snoke a little bit from the first couple of movies, you didn't get a lot. But what you did understand about him is that he has clearly been a character that has been pulling strings behind the scenes for a very, very long time. Very. Maybe even going back to the prequels. One doesn't even know. We, nobody knows how far back his influence goes. So the fact that the fact that he's dead in this second movie, just like the fact that Princess Leia is going to be in the last movie and Luke Skywalker is going to be in the last movie, he's he could come back as some sort of force apparition. I'm not even saying they need to do that. There are ways that they can tie up his story that I think would be intriguing that could even tie up the like all nine movies, all the Skywalker like storyline and sort of expansion of their narrative that we've gone through so far. I think where Snoke lands at the end of this trilogy is what's going to be most important in episode nine. Cause I don't think his character is done, even though his character is dead. I could be crazy and I could be giving JJ Abrams and the rest of the crew there a little bit too much credit. But I think, I think there's a few things that were, that died in this movie that died, so to speak. I think the Ray parentage thing is something that actually really isn't settled. I really don't think that that's actually settled the way that Ryan Johnson wanted to settle it. I think that they're going to reintroduce that in this coming movie. Um, I think again, this, this Snoke being dead. I don't think that that's something that's, that's going to be dead in the narrative. And of course we already know that Luke Skywalker being dead is not something that's going to be, that's that's going to end his narrative. We already know he's going to be in the next movie. He's confirmed it. We don't know what capacity he's going to be in the next movie in. He could be a Force ghost. He could be a flashback. There's a lot of ways he could be in the next movie. But this is also why I say that that Ray herself is somebody that could either be a huge hit or a huge miss as a character because she she has had an arc of sorts. She's gone from a place where she was just kind of a hopeless person that was searching for her power through the context of other people, okay? In the second movie, she finally realized her power didn't have to be under the guise of the context of who her parents were or who trained her or who existed before her. She could find her own way to gain power as an individual. And, I, and we've What's talked about this to the, to the side. Well, because she she found out that her parents were nothing, and she was still able to overcome whatever conflict she overcame in that movie. Well, she had they were always overcome conflict, so there was no general change. But had she though? She yes, hadn't. She, had. she hadn't necessarily come out on top in every conflict that she was in. She had survived most of the time before that. Now she's winning conflicts. Now she's changing things. Before she was in these low stakes conflicts that meant nothing to her but survival. Now the fate of the universe is in this woman's hands. There's a big difference to me from her characterization in the first movie. Where again, like all all of her story was based on who her parents were in the first movie. Her second movie was how she broke away from that, and this is why I don't want to say she's a good character yet. There's a little bit of sloppiness to it. I won't disagree with that, but if they tie it up the right way in the third one, and part of this is the fault of the fact that they're saying, you know what, all these movies, whoever's going to write them, whoever's going to direct them, we don't care. There's no overarching storyline. That might have been a mistake, but it's possible. It might have. Because J.J. Abrams still wrote two out of these three movies. So he can find a way, if he's as good a writer as people think he is anyway, which is debatable again, to tie all of this up in a way that's satisfying and that gives her an arc. 
Um, a good example, I, I saw a YouTube video earlier today. I, I don't recall who wrote, who, who, who shared that video, but it was about how Thor changed in the MCU, how he went from this like kind of posh, like Brother, Shakespearean character to what he was in Thor Ragnarok. And you could say that arc really did work. In fact, you like people are of the opinion, I'm one of the people that is of that opinion, that Thor's arc is one of the best arcs in the MCU. He went from two relatively crappy movies to having one of the most interesting stories and some of the most interesting development in the MCU. In, in the MCU. So, okay, I'm getting a little bit off topic here because I'm talking about Star Wars as a whole. But to me, this is why Kylo Ren still stands a chance and is a good character. Before I even say how like he can kind of tie this whole arc up, I know I'm getting a little long-winded here, guys, so I'll wrap it up as quickly as I can. The thing about Kylo Ren that I like that's different to me that makes him a good villain, and I know you're, you're, you're about to jump on me for this one. I can see that, Hafa. You're about to jump on me. But I, I like the fact that a lot, of, a lot of him being a villain isn't based on some, like, Again, like some cackling, like standard evil trope. standard trope type villain. He, his evil comes from the fact that he's freaking unhinged. It comes from the fact that he's emo. He's it like comes from the fact that he's in his head. He's nuts. He, he's, and it's because he's a character that doesn't have a lot of confidence because of how he's perceived versus his grandfather, because of how he's perceived as a young leader of the First Order, because of how he's perceived by his enemies, because of how he's perceived by Snow, because of how he's perceived by everyone. He's that much more unhinged. And if we've seen anything, and I'll end it sort of with this thought before I go and, a little too deeply. Before you stop, Look, just remember the respect that he doesn't get from Hux, which is another thing to which add is important to too, thing. Which yeah. is important you know? too. But in a way, this, this is a kind of a roundabout way to write about the plight of... The American male. Okay, it sounds stupid, but think about go back to Columbine. What was it about those guys that made them dangerous? It was that everybody made fun of them. Everybody thought they were whiny, emo, psychopaths. And what happened as a result of that? What happened as a result of ignoring that damaged, unhinged personality that was underneath there? Yeah, we could laugh at it then, but the aftermath was much different. The aftermath was nothing to laugh at anymore. And if J.J. Abrams does the right thing with this story, and, and if they're going where I think they are, that's where they're going. They're taking you through the narrative of somebody who starts off as a laughing stock, a joke to everybody, and because of that, slowly finds his power, slowly becomes more dangerous until one day he snaps, and that's it. And everybody mm -hmm. suffers in a way that nobody saw coming as a result of that person seeming like a joke, seeming like somebody that you didn't have to look out for. And, you know, again, if you could say that about, say, getting into the real world, Donald Trump, the man was a joke, and now he's president of the United States. To me, that's, that, that is the way that the arc could work. That's the way that I see the arc so far. That's why I like the arc. I don't love it. I think Adam Driver does a good job with it because I think in the hands of a less capable actor – Kylo Ren would really be terrible, but I think that I want to. I think I give Adam Driver a lot of credit. I think that he does with a character that's maybe wasn't too well defined until he got his hands on it a little bit, and yeah, maybe he added a little bit of the emo character to it. But I think that 
whatever the story is that we find out years from now into how Kylo Ren was developed as a character, I think you'll find, and at least you know, I hope that when it all is said and done, <clears throat> that that is where the characterization is going. Then you must love the prequels and Anakin Skywalker. Well, the prequels are different. The prequels, the, for me, the prequels overall just didn't do it for me. Well, it wasn't Anakin Skywalker Anakin that was, Skywalker was the problem. But, and it's a strong that, parallel. But with it's that a strong one, parallel. We also knew what was going to happen. And we also have a lesser actor. And as much as I like Hayden Christensen, and he's made some pretty good movies. There's one movie called Glass that's um, Shatter Shatter Glass. Shatter Glass, right? Where he was really good in that. But you know what? In the Star Wars movie, he wasn't given a lot to work with. And you look at you look at the characters in those prequels where they're very good characters, you know. I mean, they're very good actors, you know. Um, you have the the person that played Pad Padme. She's a celebrated actress. She's like an Oscar winner. She slept walked through that entire three films. Portman, right. You know, she was horrible in it. But and so I I don't think that it was you had those those films suffered from a lack of focus in writing, and maybe there was too much that they wanted to throw in into that. Because if you if you think about the stories of the prequels, they're fascinating in terms of their politics. It just didn't translate well onto the film. Yeah, it's and, true. And you had some really there. cringe-worthy lines that these actors were forced to say. There is no actor in the world that's going right. to make that line. Come on, half up. You know? Come on. Like, as, so, as, as poorly as you see so, like The Last Jedi and maybe The Force Awakens, was there a sand line in either of those movies? A line see, that was I'm so for painful. The third movie for that. Oh, okay, all right. You're <laughs> waiting to be, I, I you're waiting to be extra disappointed. I in the anticipate last one. a line about sand coming <laughs> into the third film and completely ruining it even further. Well, actually, no. You can't ruin something that's really bad. <laughs> no. oh, Kylo, Kylo, you cannot develop but, a villain and then expect that. Kylo's developing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he so should. how can we expect him to satisfy a good role as a villain? Now we can talk about an evolving villain. That's okay. perfectly fine, you know. We I get think... something like a Joker, but when we talk about a villain in the making, it's just. I think I think what what's going to end up happening is that you're going to have to look at Kylo Ren as a character over these three films, right? To really see that's really important. to. To define what he is going to be, because I think you have—he's literally his own movie in his in his own right. He has the first act, which would be, um, ah, Jesus, I can Force Awakens, Force right? Awakens, yeah. You have the middle act, which really has that event that defines him as a character, and then you're going to see what comes out on the other side in Episode Nine. And and look, like I like I said before, I think episode nine is gonna be one of these things where it's gonna be like, you know, wow, he's done something so horrific that if you couldn't redeem him back in Force Awakens when he killed Solo, you're never gonna redeem him well, because of what happened. No, like this man can nine, wipe out an know? entire planet with his own hands and nobody would care because it's the same old whiny Kylo. It's the same Kylo Ren that killed his father. That's irredeemable. From that. It's the same Kylo Ren that shot his master with 50 AT-ATs. That's irredeemable. It's the same Kylo Ren that made the new Death Star and used it for that matter. 
irredeemable. I mean, he's a Hux, villain then. Hux was the one that used <laughs> He's no, done no. villainous things. He's a thing. brat. He's, he's a brat. done villainous things. But brats are brat. dangerous. That's my point. Brats can be more dangerous than a villain with, a, with an angle. A villain with an actual angle might he's not just... He's a brat just, with anger management you, issues. He doesn't have you purpose have, or value. Which means he no is, one is safe. If you have is, a villain that's really focused, he's going to kill who he needs to kill, and maybe everybody else will be spared if they stay in the is line. Is that why he destroyed an entire planet? Well, he did that to make a to make a statement, and that wasn't necessarily... That wasn't him. That, that was Snoke. And, or that was Hux. Hux that was made the that one that, that stood in front of everybody and said, we're Look, going to destroy the... <laughs> you know, He killed Han Solo. He almost killed Princess Leia, but he didn't. But he didn't. But he didn't. Okay, that was the only. That was the only moment, I guess, where they were trying to redeem him a little bit. He killed his master, which wasn't villainous, but that's pretty crazy and kind of dark. And I'm talking about Snoke in this instance, and he's pretty much responsible for the death of Luke Skywalker because he wasn't such a jerk in the first place. Luke Skywalker wouldn't have gotten all tired from projecting himself across the universe and then died after that as a result of exhaustion. So remember, he's done some very blames, villainous things that entire by movie being an unhinged rat. To blaming Skywalker for everything. Blame Skywalker. Everything that followed after episode, what is it? Six. Everything that followed after episode six has been blamed on Skywalker. You've got to blame their whole rebellion. Skywalker's failure. But I think, no, I think he mostly blames the Jedi for everything that's happened. The Jedi, to Jedi, if you, if you want to look at it realistically, the real villain of these movies are the Jedi. The because because yeah, everything that they've done has failed and failed spectacularly. They always you know they this. they 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 missed they whiffed on the fact that um Except they killed the emperor. Yeah, the the emperor was the emperor. You know, <laughs> Chancellor yeah. Palpatine was the emperor. They they totally blew that one. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They they they've been responsible for a lot of the things. You know, you had the hubris of them of Obi-Wan taking on Anakin as a student. You had the hubris of the Jedi Council not making him a master, right? But letting him sit on the council and then using him to spy on Palpatine. Even entering the Clone Wars. There, there's a lot of things a rough that, track record. Yeah, they, they really do. So, you know, and even Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi, he said <laughs> the Jedi's gotta stop because they done fucked up the universe. He's blaming you know? him. They're Blame blaming him. Sorry, sorry, people. We'll bleep show. that out. <laughs> you know. So, I don't know. I think Kyle is a decent character, in my opinion. There's a lot more to say about it. I don't know. If we're gonna talk about a character that's supposed to be torn, right? Something like what's supposed to be Kylo Ren. Something like <laughs> Brutus. Or something Ed like Revan. Tell me, where do we see a better example? We don't see it in Kylo Ren. We see it in something like Ribbon. We see it in something like Brutus. And we see it in these because these characters these characters are entertaining thoughts, not emotions. Ideas. Kylo Ren is a whiny brat. And he acts as a whiny brat. Because he doesn't act because of his... are dangerous. Like said, is that, that's my is point. that the thesis behind episodes seven to nine? That's the thesis behind why America is like in the toilet right now. I think that to me but that's why. But it, it's, it works. it's an analysis of Star Wars, the media and franchise. And but Star Wars is yeah, pulling that. Art, I mean, art that, imitates life. Yeah, it's pulling that know? inspiration from somewhere, yeah. and I think that that's where it's pulling inspiration. I don't. I, I don't think that that's as. I don't think that you can parallel. A widely successful 
uh, representative democracy with a space empire that casually kills people on the daily. Granted, not saying um, not saying there aren't similarities. They're just not the same. No, I understand that, but you could look at the empire as an allegory for the Nazis. We're looking at, at oh, that's what it was originally. Yeah, exactly. We're looking so, at the you know, death of. We're looking that at how something. Off. Remember, remember, Star Wars starts off with a wildly successful republic, so we have to remember that too. Star Wars has always started off with a wildly successful democratic republic where everybody has a say, and the entire time, Star Wars has always been about how that's devolved into the Nazis, into Nazi Germany, into the First Order, into the Empire. You have to remember that context has always been in Star Wars. It's not just, you know, talking about, like, the culture of the youth and how society in terms of the individual is messing up. Star Wars has always been about how society as a whole messes up. Just, so just, you have to remember that context, too, when you're talking about how I see, in my opinion. But Kylo isn't that a bit awkward to say, considering that the original trilogy was more focused around Luke's journey as a Jedi to challenge his father. It was the hero's journey. It was the hero's journey. Right. The hero's journey has nothing to do with society and everything about the But universe. see, what, what happened was is that you had the original trilogy, which was the hero's journey, right? The prequel era then became all about the politics of it, right? And so, you know, to, to put it into real-life terms... Um, you have you have this Supreme Court judge, which basically said that democracy can't suffer the ignorance, right, of its people. And so, what happens is, is that when something happens in that democracy and, and things start to fail, the general public is not educated enough to know what the problem is, so they don't know who to blame. And what what ends up happening is that you have this one figure that says, "Give me all the power, and I'll fix it." And so basically that's what's happening in our society now with Donald Trump, right? He's been the guy that he's reaching out to the people who are uneducated and the people, and please, I, I don't want to bring politics into it, but I'm just trying to make a point here, right? And he goes and he says, well, you know what? Government is broken. Your politicians are working for, for you. Give me the power. I'm going to fix it. You look at the prequels, it's basically the same thing. You have You have a successful government, right? But things start to break down. And so who's that Donald Trump figure? That becomes Emperor Palpatine. And he goes and he literally you see as he's gaining more power and say, give me the power, I'll fix it. I alone can fix I it. I alone can fix it. I'm the Senate. I'm the one that's going to drive. There can only be one voice. And I'm going to be the voice that will bring peace to my galaxy. He told that to, to Anakin right, right when he made him into Darth Vader. Right in that scene when they had killed um, Mace Windu in in his in his offices, I guess if we want to call it right. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, office, yeah, so you're you're seeing parallels in real life politics play out in Star Wars also, and and it's it's stark as how much you know how it's all tied together. You're seeing us becoming into the Empire. That's you know what I'm saying. Before. And, and it happens, yeah, and it's, it's happened in history overall many times. The rise of the dictator, right? And Star Wars if, is nothing if not sort of a poem to itself. It's something that George Lucas said a long time ago. He said that all the movies were supposed to be parallels in some way. Yeah. And now you have maybe some two on the nose parallels, like you have Starkiller Base, which is the same as the damn Death Star. Okay, maybe a little of them are two on the nose, but 
Star Wars is and always has been not just about the hero's journey, but about what what like what the what the hero's fighting for in terms of society. It's, it's always been a struggle of the good in society versus the authoritarian elements in society. Maybe it wasn't explored as much <coughs> until the prequels, but it was always underlying at some point. And we have to remember how Star Wars itself was conceived. He wrote Star Wars with a story in mind, but he didn't know if that movie was going to succeed. Yeah. So that also changed the way that that arc played out. I mean, a lot of changes were made over the years, you know, the special editions and things like that too. But to me, yeah, that's why I think Kylo, again, I, I, and, you know, I want to be fair. I don't want to say that he's a great character yet, but I think that there's something that could be a lot better than people expect. That's my only opinion. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue all the way that Kylo Ren is a great character. I think that there's the great basis of something there. I guess we'll see if it does turn into something great or not. So that's gonna conclude this episode of Pop Culture Over Pizza's Pizza Party. Uh, today we had the luxury of discussing everything we've been geeking out, stemming from uh, the haunting of the Hill House, the Gundam Unicorn. Uh, we got to honor one of Marvel's greatest superheroes and this world's greatest superhero, Stan Lee. discuss all of his Excelsior. great impacts. Uh, what is it? We talked about Pika Pool making an appearance to the live-action movie Detective Pikachu and Ryan Reynolds starring in it. Pika Pika. Uh, discussed a little bit about Young Justice 3 along with uh, the new DC streaming service. Uh, talked about Diego Luna and a lot of uh, the Star Wars, Star Wars business. So much mm -hmm. Star Wars. Added a little bit, a little sprinkle of Devil May Cry, and we concluded with a discussion on Kylo Ren, who is a character. Very polarizing <laughs> a character. character. At this table. Um, He's a character. A. a ca <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that he probably will come up at some point again, I would think. I think so. See a deep dish on that. We have an entire year to discuss. A year and a year and a month, actually, right? You'll hear about this again soon. Oh, Trust yeah. us. Yeah, no. But it's been a great week. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us. And we would like for you to give us a listen. Subscribe here on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts. Radio Public, and Stitcher. You can find us on all of those platforms. You can find us on Twitter at PCOP Podcast. That's PCOP Podcast on Twitter. Give us a like. Give us a listen. If we see that you've given us a shout-out on Twitter, we will retweet some of your content as well. Share and share alike. Let's get these podcasts out there. And we would like to thank all of you from joining us from Pop Culture Over Pizza. I am Jose. Half up. Metatron. Walt. Elias. Gucci fam. And we will see you all on the next pizza party. Excelsior. No. Excelsior. Excelsior. Excelsior.